Hey, really quick before we get into this episode, if you're hearing this intro, it means that my new podcast with my friend Veronica called Socially Unfiltered has officially launched and we would love for you to join us over there. I wanted to make sure I put this intro before all of the previous episodes of the Social Media Survival Guide podcast because just so much has changed since these episodes were published, but the content in these episodes still holds a very special place in my heart. So you may hear some links or some Instagram handles that I'm no longer using being mentioned in these episodes. So I just wanted to give you one place where you knew you could find everything. If you want to keep up with me, Lex, on Instagram, my Instagram handle is at justlexpage, J-U-S-T-L-E-X-P-A-I-G-E. And that's where you can find all of my social media content. It's where you can find all of the different ways we can work together and all of the resources I have to help you survive social media. And like I said, some links may be outdated. So if you're interested in any of my guides, any of my templates, or any of my resources for helping you survive social media, you can find everything at stan.store slash page, and I'll link everything in this description. But come join us over on the new podcast. Again, it's called Socially Unfiltered. You can find us on Instagram at sociallyunfilteredpod. You can find the podcast where wherever you listen to podcasts. And again, I'll link everything in this episode description. Whether this is your first time listening to the Social Media Survival Guide or your millionth re-listen, thank you for being here. But I'm so excited to start this new journey with you. So please come hang out with us over on Socially Unfiltered. We would love to have you. But for now, I'll let you get into the episode that you were trying to listen to. And hopefully I'll see you over there. Enjoy. Welcome to the Social Media Survival Guide, a paid media co-podcast all about surviving social media. We'll go on deep dives into what goes on behind the scenes in this industry, interviews with some of the most badass business owners sharing their own experiences, and we'll learn all about the tools and resources you need to survive social media. I'm your host, Lex, and I'm just surviving social media one day at a time. Let's get into it. Hi, hello, how are you? So this is the first full week in almost three weeks that I have had in my house, in my office. I have just been going for a really long time. I had to go on a client trip and then we had a family trip this past weekend. And then next month is also going to be crazy with travel. And I, of course, wanted to make that the topic (laughs) of today's episode. I'm excited to be recording solo. I mean, I always like guest episodes way more, but I do like having these episodes that are a little more of the traditional education, if you will, which remember that time that I said I didn't want to only make that type of content. Y'all, it feels so good to still be here and be able to obviously make the more traditional educational style content, but to also just make content in general and to still have you here and ride with me through that pivot has been unbelievable. And as always, thank you for being here. I swear I'm gonna get back to YouTube soon because this break was exactly what I needed. And not that I was ever not excited about it, but I just knew that the videos I was making weren't the videos that I I wanted to be making. And I needed to do that first kind of round of being consistent with YouTube to figure out what I did like about it, what I didn't like about it. And now when I go back into it, I know that it will only be content that I like making. So again, thank you for sticking with me through this pivot. But let's talk about what we are here to talk about today, which is travel shoots. So I I don't know. I feel like there's such a standard or like a stigma that once you add travel to your title that you've like won or succeeded, you know, photographers, for example, not saying that that's exactly what I do, but like kind of, and it's not as simple as just, you know, packing your stuff up and going to where your client is and 
having a shoot. It's tedious, it's tiring, it takes a lot of planning. So I get asked about them all the time. And when I first started offering travel shoots, it, I don't want to say it happened by accident. Like it was something that was very, you know, planned out and methodical, but you know, I'll kind of talk about how I first started offering them, how I recommend offering them, just everything that they entail. And we'll just kind of dive into the main parts that come along with travel shoots and disclaimer, this is just the way that I offer it. Obviously others will do what works best for them and you should of course do what works best for you. But I will also kind of walk through the timeline of each of these phases and when these trips are happening and what I do when I do it and yeah. As always, make sure we are staying connected on your favorite social media platform. If we are not already, my name is Lex. I am your host. You can find me on Instagram at pagemediaco, P-A-I-G-E. My website is pagemediaco.com. The template shop is up and running for social media managers who need some direction with getting started and things like their onboarding process or their client questionnaires, all things like that. And the social media survival guide, you can find all the information about it on either Instagram or my website. And before we get into it, I just have to say this. So is anybody else like neurodivergent to the point that you cannot sit in silence? Like I love having a podcast. I love sitting here and recording. I love everything that comes along with it. But what I hate is that during recording, I literally just have to sit here in silence. Like I'm the kind of person who always has TV going in the background. I have podcasts playing. I, you know, watch trashy reality shows all day again just for background noise like youtube videos anything i need something going in the background and the hardest part about having a podcast as a neurodivergent who cannot keep attention on something for more than five minutes is having to sit here in silence so and i can only record when nobody else is home because i have such a weird thing about speaking in front of other people not like ugh, it's always so weird i know i'm going so off topic right now but like public speaking is not a problem for me like i was a group fitness instructor i will stand in front of hundreds and hundreds of people but when i am just sitting alone in my office and i know that my boyfriend is home and can like hear what i'm saying from the other room it's so weird like my brain will not process what it needs to say and it's not like he's unbelievably supportive of everything but you know even just like having to have the house like super quiet like it's something that i can only do when i'm home alone and having to sit in the quiet when i'm home alone is really hard but anyway okay that is probably something I should talk to a therapist about, not on the intro to my podcast. Okay, let's get into travel shoots, what we're actually here for. Make sure you're asking questions in the Ask Me Anything, and there will be an Ask Me Anything at the end of this episode, so make sure you stay till then. Okay, we'll get right into it after a quick ad. Okay, so where to start with travel shoots? So I'm going to start with how I started offering travel shoots and how it just came to be. So three-ish years ago, as a social media manager, I was only working with people in person. Like I wasn't working with anybody virtually. I didn't even have an Instagram for my business. I was only working with brick and mortar companies and businesses in Charleston. So that kind of deflected the entire need whatsoever for me to have a client be responsible for sending me content like I just always included in each package that I did you know once a month or once every other month I go we do our content shoot and we have content to last us until the next time that I go there so that was also pre-covid and very much like when covid first began like a lot of my clients and I transitioned to like they would literally leave their products sitting out on their porch and I would go pick them up bring them home with me like disinfect them set up shoot disinfect them again and then go drop them back off on their porch so like including the hands-on content has just always been something that I 
do. Now, you don't have to include that. I don't think you have to be a content creator in order to also be a social media manager. For me, the content creation part is the part that I like the most. So it always just made sense for me to include it. I reflect it in my pricing. Like I, I think my pricing is a little bit above what could possibly be considered the average. I know there's not really like any set industry average for something like this, but I include monthly content shoots almost every single one of my packages and with almost every single one of my clients. So again, that's factored into their monthly retainer cost. So anyway, back when COVID was happening, everything was shutting down. I did part ways with some of my clients just because you know the world was going through a pandemic but because of that I started connecting with people more virtually like I started an Instagram account I started getting more clients from Instagram which wasn't something that I had really done before again I had like really just only worked with people in person that I knew so when I started working with people virtually at first it wasn't really an issue because we were just getting started I was able to repurpose pretty much anything that they had posted in the past we were able to revamp and you know get it going with the package that we were putting on in the posts that we were putting out but then what really happened was reels and tiktok started becoming as relevant as they are now like it, that incline was starting to happen you really weren't relevant if you were just only posting you know square static feed post which i hate talking like that it's not that you're not relevant it's that you're not favored by instagram which at the end of the day i love making videos and i love short form video content creation so to me it's not something that was really you know a problem it just it became a problem when my clients weren't able to regularly send me the pieces of content that i needed and this was for a lot of reasons it was because i had never done anything like that before like i had never made long distance short form videos for people before so that was just a brand new experience i had no organization to it and it also came with the fact that clients weren't used to taking videos like they were you know fine to send a couple pictures here and there i do all the editing lightroom all of that but videos are a totally different story so it just took a lot of learning on my end it took a lot of you know organization prep and my clients willingness and openness to learning and then that was really kind of when i realized that you know moving forward i'm not willing to bring anybody on who isn't able to provide that consistent content like i i need to know that the person i'm going to be working with is able to provide that and if they aren't they have the option of including the hands-on content creation in their monthly package where i either go to their business in person you know in local in charleston or i make a trip out there a lot of my clients that i do long distance with were set up every three months so a lot of my clients every three months i send them a separate invoice for their travel shoot and then that gets us our content for the next three months essentially that one weekend together and i'll go into you know how i determine the deliverables and all of that so with that all being said that's essentially how i started offering them and i would just kind of put together these proposals for my clients and talk to them like hey i know it's a lot to keep up with these videos like look at how much content we could get just in one weekend and then you know not that i was trying to like bribe them or sell them on anything but it is a huge relief off of their shoulders when they literally don't have to do anything when it comes to their content creation except like be a part of you know be a small part of it or as big of a part as they want to be but a lot of people the reason they're outsourcing for something like this is they want to work hands off so this travel shoot you know package add-on just kind of solved that gap of people really not having to worry about 
taking any type of content. So again, with all of that said, I have tried my best to break down travel shoots into three different phases. This is just the process that I took. It's how I offer it today. It's how I plan for everything and get ready to take notes. If you have a notebook, get it out. If you're driving, don't do that. Just remember as much as you can in your head and then listen later and take notes but okay so there's three different phases right so the first one is the phase where you're starting to offer the package and you know starting to price your travel shoot packages the next phase is going to be prepping and planning for those shoots and then that final phase is going to be actually having the shoot and determining the deliverables and how all of that goes so again i just want to preface all of this but there is no like standard like you have not one you are not doing better than somebody else just because you travel to your clients like it takes a lot to set one of these up it's a lot of work it's it's an investment and you have to be ready to show up providing enough value for that investment so again it's not that there's any winning when it comes to this it's something that you can add on it's it's something to connect you with your clients more it's I enjoy them like to me it's I look forward to them it's not like some strenuous work that I have to do it's a lot of work don't get me wrong but it's not something that I dread having to do so again it's not forget the stigma of like adding travel to your title makes you any better than anybody else because it doesn't and I don't feel that way because I have my clients set up on these packages I've really never talked to anybody else that has their clients set up on these packages but for me they've just been so helpful and they keep our content creation process moving along okay let's get into it so first the starting to offer the package and pricing your package phase so one of the first things that you obviously want to look at when you are starting to put one of these together is how much time and how much of a return you're going to be putting in and getting out of offering something like this. So for me, one of the first things that I started with was my day rate. Now, I offer my packages for travel shoots in either one, two, three, or four day packages. So just for numbers, I'm going to use the number $800 and this will make sense. So Let's say my day rate is $800. My day time frame is eight hours. So for each day of this content shoot, you are paying an $800 daily rate and that reserves eight hours of time. Now, that's one of the factors that goes into it. So there's also the travel cost factor. So this is completely separate. Travel costs are gonna be different for everybody because it depends on the flights, it depends on the hotels, it depends on if you're renting a car, if you're Ubering, like what you're doing. And all of my clients are set up very different. I'm lucky that I don't have to include the expense of Ubers or renting a car because a lot of my clients and I are to the point like we're comfortable enough they come and pick me up from the airport and I'm obviously very thankful for that and they offer them gas money and I offer to pay them for that but that's something to keep in mind so for me again let's just keep using this number of 800 so I have a client who it's gonna cost me you know $200 for a flight and $200 for the hotel for one night. So let's say they want to do a one day shoot. They would be paying $800 for that daily rate because that reserves eight hours of your time on the day of. And then they're also paying the $200 plane ticket and the $200 hotel. So that I consider the travel cost. So just like on an invoice, if you're breaking it down, like I put the day rate, you know, $800, one unit, total 800, then the travel costs. $400 altogether. One total is $400. So then altogether for a one day content shoot, they would be paying 
$1,200, right? So then again, if they want to add on days, so for two days, the rate would go up by another $800 daily rate and then another $200 for the hotel. But again, that flight doesn't really change. So to me, this is why I keep the travel costs separate just because sometimes the travel costs will stay the same. Sometimes, you know, they'll differentiate if they want to add on days. But those are the two main numbers to look at is what your day rate is and then what your travel costs are. And with that being said, again, things are going to be different for everybody. Your day frame, like you could do half days where you do four hours at a time. I don't do that for any of my travel people, but all of my local people have a four hour content shoot built into their package. So that's where I kind of start with that. Now, there's a lot of things that you can charge for and there's a lot of things that I don't think you should charge for and it's going to be totally your preference. It's not anything that, you know, is right or wrong so and there's a lot of different reasons why i do and don't charge for certain things so i personally do not charge my client for like food so like a lot of you know if you're being sent on a business trip like by a corporation you have a corporate card like you'll get a per diem where it's like you have x amount of dollars to spend per day on food and drinks i don't do that for my clients like i'm not charging them 50 dollars or 100 dollars whatever per day for like food and stuff that i'll be having while i'm there one because usually my client and I are like eating lunch together and like either I'll offer to buy it or, you know, again, I'm super incredibly lucky and they offer to buy it. Like it's just not something that I choose to charge for. The other reason I don't really charge for it is because if I was home, I would be spending that money on food anyway. Like maybe not as much, but it's no different than going out to dinner for two nights a week you know it's i i just don't feel comfortable charging for something like that so that's not something that i charge for something else that i don't charge my clients for in these content shoots is the time that it takes for editing so there's a reason that i do this that i'll get into a little bit later but again two things that i don't charge for is any like food or drink anything like that and then also for any post shoot editing time now if this was somebody that i was working with who wasn't a monthly retainer client like if i was just doing a standalone shoot with them i would charge them for after shoot editing because of course they need to get their deliverables but again this is kind of in one of the other phases that i'll dive a little bit more into so just as far as keeping it like starting to offer the package and just pricing it that's everything that kind of goes within this phase and this is everything that's happening before you ever even you know start to offer this to your client and just a way to approach it with your client is not even being like hey you don't send me enough content like I need to come there and get my own like you have to show them the benefit of it again it's not that I was trying to like bribe my clients or like trick them or convince them to do anything it was just truly offering something like this for them was taking so much time and work off of their plate that it just made sense especially because we were already actively working together you know so again a lot of this goes for just clients that I'm working with on a retainer basis I work with them monthly this doesn't really have anything to do with standalone travel content shoots which I have done I don't love doing them it's a lot easier to work with the people to shoot that I I know I know their brands like inside and out we work together you know every month I know what direction we're going in so again the standalone thing is a completely separate situation that it doesn't really that isn't really relevant to this entire episode okay so the next phase is prepping and planning for the shoot so there's a lot of main things here so one of them is again you do have to be very organized and you have to be very meticulous and you have to be very time efficient when you are offering something like this so i 
am a type A person to begin with and I make a list for any and everything that I possibly can. So this part to me is a lot of fun. Before we get to the actual shoot, for like three to four weeks before the actual shoot, so I try to book them like at least two months ahead of time so that we have plenty of time to plan. But for the three to four weeks before the actual day of the content trip or shoot, I have planned out every last minute of this trip. So like at this point, I will have determined with my client, you know, what time block are we using for our eight hours? Are we starting at 9 a.m.? Are we starting at 10 a.m.? Are we starting at noon? Like what time are we starting? And for a lot of my clients, they all have employees that like to be a part of this process. So we also have to coordinate with them. I'll use my lash studio, for example, like all of her girls, we have to plan out that they each have, you know, a lash set during the time that I'll be there so we can get a before and after from each girl. Like, again, it's just knowing kind of what's going on with your client that day and then planning again every last minute so i personally do this through google sheets or through google docs depending on a couple different factors but essentially i'll make a table and it's friday let's say i'm going friday saturday sunday so it'll be like friday 9 a.m 10 a.m 11 a.m 12 p.m 1 p.m and just go down the entire time that we'll be together and map out exactly what's going to be filmed when so like for some of my clients we're doing longer form videos like we have like a 10 to 15 minute video that we have to record so it's like okay let's block off an entire hour to film this one long form video and then for the next two hours we can do tiktoks that are just with you and then the next two hours we can make sure all the employees are there and we'll do like staff tiktoks and stuff is that if that makes sense so just kind of knowing like what time blocks are serving what purpose like are you going to do a product shoot that you need to block off time is there again like appointment times like my lash artist we have to be very like meticulous to work around you know when different appointment times are and with each of the girls so just using google sheets or some sort of planner again like anything like asana monday to do is like there's a lot of different ways i personally like google sheets or google docs for everything because i like being able to customize it but that's how we plan out you know every single minute of the trip the other thing that i do in the like two usually like a week or two before i will start having prep meetings so we have a prep meeting at least a couple days before the shoot a week before the shoot and then at least a month before the shoot where we are getting on these calls and only talking about what's going to be happening with this shoot so what we do is kind of brainstorm a list of ideas for different video topics and just kind of what you know educational style videos we want to get and what shots does that include like who needs to be where what kind of outfits do we need like just planning every single minute of this shoot so also in that week or two leading up to the shoot is when i'll really start doing like a lot of trend research and just kind of looking at what sounds are trending what i think is going to be trending the next few weeks what transitions are trending right now like i really don't like to plan out specific pieces of content like that until the week or two before just so that i know we have the most up-to-date content and with a lot of the content that i like to make on these shoots i like to stick with like the evergreen where it doesn't rely on the trending sound to be relevant and that's where a lot of like you know the brainstorming sessions come in where it's like okay what's the most popular asked question in your industry that we could answer and it's like how do we answer it so let's say again lash artist for example somebody wants to know you know exactly how a lash extension is applied to the lash so we want to make a video about that topic we know that we need to get a video of somebody applying a lash and then we will add some text on the screen with three best tips for applying lashes as a lash artist something like that so it's like the 
we have the idea, then we think about what visuals will go with it, and then we think about how it can be turned into that evergreen piece of content. But again, lots of prep meetings, lots of time beforehand, which again is something to factor into. You know, if I was doing that standalone shoot, I would factor in the time for these prep meetings as billable hours. Like say I had a $50 an hour rate, I would charge $50 every time we were doing one of these hour long meetings. However, with my retainer clients, I just include it in the time, you know, that we're actively working together each month. So a lot of my clients and I do a weekly check-in anyway and they're usually like 20 to 30 minutes but with these ones you know they'll usually be a little bit longer but i just include it in their monthly retainer package and again if that's something that you want to charge separate for you totally can nobody is saying that it's good or bad i'm sure somebody listening to this is like oh my god girl charge for that but like at the end of the day it's what works for me if it's into my client packages it makes it affordable and attainable for my clients i'm not charging them 2500 dollars for one of these shoots which i think is it's well worth that it's just uh, again we'll talk about the next phase which is where two different of these points will tie in together so the last phase of one of these shoots is actively having the shoot so just kind of like a timeline of what happens the week before let's say i'm going on a content shoot on friday i will start kind of getting everything together you know that monday so let's say that monday i check in and just have one last call with my client make sure all of the pieces of content we're going to get are good make sure we have all of the trending sounds make sure i've you know, connected with each of the employees and the employees know exactly which videos they're making and which parts they need to know you know like if they need to memorize any of the audios or anything so i'll just kind of check in and make sure everybody's feeling good about the content that we will actually be creating then the next few days i will spend kind of getting ahead on my other work so obviously with these shoots is it's taking up eight hours of my day which is essentially my you know eight hour work day for all of my other client work so i not only have to make sure that the client i'm going to work has all their socials posts like scheduled and ready to go but i also have to make sure all of my other work is caught up and able to be stepped away from there's a question in the ask me anything that will also tie into this when it just comes to like going on trips and not being plugged in when i go on these shoots i consider them just normal work days like they i'm still actively posting for my other clients i'm still actively posting for these clients like you know and i have to factor that in somewhere i usually take like an hour or so to do everything i need to do for the day before i even go meet that client you know the day of our shoot so anyway i'll spend like you know that tuesday and wednesday kind of getting everything together for other clients just making sure everything's caught up and ready to go and then that thursday is when i really start kind of getting physically everything together that i need to bring and this differentiates for different clients i try to avoid checking a bag at literally any cost like i will make my carry-on weigh 100 pounds before i use a bigger suitcase and i just hate waiting for checked baggage i hate the idea of my baggage getting lost however i am a big fan of when they overbook like the overhead bin situation and they have to take it for me like on the ramp like sometimes i'll even offer to be that person i'm like do you like need volunteers to check baggage at the gate because i hate the thought of oh i hate lines to begin with so i hate like standing in line getting on the plane and then like having to lift my carry-on up and like put it overhead like i can do it like i'm not you know weak i just don't like doing it in front of other people and like i'm short they're tall you know lots of things so anyway i try to 
bring everything that I have to bring just in a carry-on and in a backpack. I fly pretty frequently and I've kind of gotten it down to a science. If you don't use travel packing cubes, they are a game changer, I swear to you. But then a lot of my clients, it's different, like the things that I have to bring. So like one of my clients, like she has a backdrop already. Like she has like the the frame and the actual backdrop. So like I don't have to bring that, but another one of my clients doesn't. So I do have to bring, you know, my backdrops and stuff. Other ones of my clients have really big, nice ring lights and some of them don't. So I have to bring those. I usually always bring a tripod with me wherever I go. I'm yeah. So let me just kind of walk you through like everything, all the equipment that comes with me. So usually it's both of my cameras, which again, that Thursday, I will make sure everything is plugged in, charged, good to go. I will by this point have either purchased new memory cards to go with me, or I will make sure that I have some that are cleared off and reformatted and ready to use. I literally am looking at my bag right now from the last, like I haven't even unpacked from the last content shoot that I went on. So I'm just looking at my like carry-on bag that I use and everything that's inside of it. Here, I'm gonna, well, I'll start digging around in here. So obviously both cameras, I have an extra lens for one of my cameras. So that of course comes with me and my camera strap. I have two external batteries. So I of course bring like plugs and cords and everything, iPhone cords, micro USBs, and then my my headphones and my wireless Wi-Fi adapter. It's like a micro USB-C or something. I honestly have no idea. I should probably know the name of that, but lots of, you know, wall pieces, lots of cords come with me. I do like to bring my lavalier mic, which is just, it's an external microphone that you can use to get a little bit better sound quality when you're using. I usually only use it for my camera. Like iPhones are usually pretty good about picking it up unless it's somewhere that it's loud. So like, for example, we went to a graduation this last weekend that I brought my cameras to. And in that situation, it was good for picking up sound that was, you know, from people close by because the auditorium was obviously really loud. But like when it's just us, like with my clients, it's not usually something that's needed, but I like to bring it just in case. Or like my gym clients, another really good example, like what I'll do is have their coaches talk into this mic and then put it over a video but that usually comes with me oh i just found a ring that i've been looking for i must have took it off and thrown it in this bag and also my camera bag so i have like a camera case that's a hard shell and then i have a camera bag that actually has pockets built into it like padded protective pockets built into it that is really cool i love that bag but both of them are linked if you go to pagemediaco.com slash links, there's an Amazon favorites tab and it has everything that I use. So everything I'm talking about right now, you can find in there. I usually bring an external hard drive with me just because I am OCD and I am psycho and I will back up a memory card before I even leave a shoot. Like as soon as I am done wrapping up filming or like content shooting for the day, I will sit at my client's location and put everything from the memory card onto the hard drive because my biggest knock on wood, fear in life is a memory card like going corrupt and me losing everything especially in one of these situations where my client is paying you know upwards of thousands of dollars for one of these shoots i like to bring headphones just i wear headphones all the time i have to bring a bunch of computer adapters because my macbook is one of the new ones that only has those micro USB-C things again i think is what they're called i have to bring you know the adapters for my memory cards and for the external hard drive and to hook the cameras up to and all of that stuff so that's a lot of everything that's a lot of the equipment that comes just in my camera bag and again all of that fits into that hard shell camera case and then that goes inside of the backpack for my carry-on so then like i said i also usually like to bring a tripod at least one and of course just having like a bunch of 
you know, backup batteries for the cameras and charging equipment and cords and stuff like that. But then, you know, in my carry-on, I'll also have a tripod or two. I have one tripod that has a small enough ring light that's able to fit into the carry-on when it's all like folded up. It's super compact. That's one that I usually bring with me. And then I have another one. It's not a ring light. It's just a regular tripod, but I like the phone attachment on it better. Like the one with the light, I don't love the way that it holds the phone. Like it's one of the ones that like, is like elasticy or like slings back. The one that I do like is like the twist. Like you twist to loosen it and then you twist to tighten it. That's usually the one that I bring with me. But as far as equipment, you know, unless again, we need props. So like even with props, I'll usually just have them shipped to my client's business with any of the props or anything that can go into the cost of your package as well. Not a lot of my clients need to do that for these content shoots because we're shooting in their actual business location so it's easy to stage things and to keep it on brand now if i'm working with somebody and we're doing just a product shoot and they're sending me their products that's when i'll include surcharge for getting props and backgrounds and stuff but not usually a whole lot of that unless it's like backdrops which again you pretty much the only client that i do backdrops with has them but if they did need them i would either look into getting collapsible ones that would fit into a carry-on and bring them with me or i guess i would have to suck it up and check a bag but usually between the carry-on and the backpack i'm able to fit all of this equipment and then of course my computer my rocket book and my ipad and my phone all have to come with me too so that's everything that leads up to the days of the shoot so then the first day of a shoot let's just say it's for the weekend again, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Again, this is where it's really important to pull from those Google Sheets and kind of know exactly what videos you're filming and when. And this is where it kind of comes back to determining those deliverables. So the way that I list this out for my clients is that with one day of dedicated eight hours of content shooting, I am confident that we can get at least one month of content right? So for every eight hours, I'm confident that I can get one month of content continuously for that client. And this is where they can kind of determine, you know, how many days they need to do their shoot for. So if we're going to set it up, so a lot of my clients, what we do is a three-day content shoot, and then that gets us content for three months. So this also, again, ties into determining those deliverables. Now, you can go into it saying, like, for this one day, we're going to get, you know, 10 reels or 10 pieces of content. I don't like to do that because obviously there's a lot of factors that go into that. So I like to just, so that they have a visual, it's like, hey, one day of doing this, we're good for a month. Two days of doing this, we're good for two months. Three days of doing this, we're good for three months so on and so far. And that's really how a lot of them book. But again, if this was a standalone shoot, I would say, you know, determine your deliverables ahead of time. It's the same way that, you know, wedding photographers do like mini shoots and it's like you get 30 to 50 photos. You could do that with this and say, you know, you'll get 15 to 20 pictures or 15 to 20 reels, like however you have to break it down. But then this is also, okay, so this also goes back to why I don't charge for editing. So with thing, okay, so let's, backtrack words get them together so let's say i wasn't offering this content shoot for my client right if i wanted to get a month worth of content for them i would need them to send me all of the content and then i would spend that time editing it together anyway right so with this situation 
it eliminates the need for them to have to send it, but then it also makes it easier for me to just have access to pull from. So because doing these shoots helps me stay, you know, stocked up on content, it helps me organize and know exactly what pieces we have. It's a little bit easier for me, you know, for the content editing that we're doing for them on their retainer, I'm, I would still have to be doing that editing anyway. And the reason that I think this works is because I don't give my client like 30 finished pieces of content the day after the shoot. If that was the case, then yes, of course, I would charge for those editing hours because I'm editing them right away. For me, it's no different to use this content to edit together when we need content to post for next week than it is for me to be just editing it together as if my client were to send it to me anyway. So I really hope that makes sense. I'm not shorting myself. I'm still getting paid for the time that I'm, I spend editing for this content. It's just, I don't do all of the editing at once. So I'm not charging them a surcharge. Like these pieces of content aren't standalone from what we would post, you know, in our month together anyway. Oh, I really hope this makes sense. Hold on. Let me drink coffee and maybe I'll get my thoughts together. Okay. So yeah, I think that makes sense. I hope I explained it in a good way. It's just, again, if you were doing that standalone shoot where you weren't responsible for posting on their social media, yes, of course you would charge for the extra time that you take editing and delivering those deliverables. And that's when you would need to know a little bit more of a number, like a solid number of how many pieces of content you're providing. For me, because we're already set up on, you know, three, four posts a week or whatever, I already know that I'm going to spend that time editing posts together for them. That will be the time where I get paid. So again, I think that's how I'm able to keep these shoots a little more affordable is because I'm not charging for post editing time in that package. The post editing time I'm being paid for is included in their monthly retainer. So I hope that makes sense. Okay, so I know this is a lot. I know it's kind of just scratching the surface, but I'm already over 40 minutes right now. So I need to make sure I'm, you know, getting things across in a concise way. I, I do want to know if you have any other questions about this. This is obviously, again, tip of the iceberg, how I offer these shoots. But yeah, if it's something that you want to start offering to your clients, I highly recommend it. It has made my workflow with my clients and for my clients on their end so, so much easier. It has made it everything so much smoother. We always have a backlog of content to use. And just knowing that the pieces that you need are there is a lot different than you know, a client sending you something an hour before it's supposed to be posted. Like we, I, I don't have that with clients anymore because we just have everything built up in this backlog from our content shoots. So there's a lot of things that you can charge for. There's a lot of things that I don't think you should charge for, but this is just how I offered it. But again, if this is something that you want to start offering, just present it to your client in a way that you're solving a huge problem. And that's not even to say it like in a like schemey marketing way. It's, it's just truly this takes so much pressure off of them and just a way to approach it is like you know we could be so much more consistent we could get a whole day scheduled out and it's fun like they're a lot of fun a lot of my clients employees especially and my clients themselves have said like wow that was a lot more fun than I thought it would be and by the end of it like everybody's laughing and like it's it's just a lot of fun people don't realize how much fun content creation can be so being able to provide it firsthand and being able to take that weight off of your client is is huge so it's one of my favorite parts if you start offering them 
let me know keep me updated if you have questions as always put them in the ask me anything or slide into the instagram dms but i want to get into some of these ask me anything questions so this is the first episode i've been able to actually pull these because the last two episodes since i put up the ask me anything page on my website have been guest episodes where i just record the intro and then the rest of the episode is us talking so i'm really excited i haven't done ask me anything's in a while there's some really good questions in here okay so the first one is again ties into the topic of this episode so how and when do you take free or like sick time or vacation time in your business so in full 100 transparency i since starting this business have not taken a personal vacation where i'm completely unplugged and don't work at all there's a lot of reasons for this do i think it's healthy no probably not are there ways to do it yeah absolutely it's just my business has been i still consider my business you know in the a developing phase like i i have never not had the one hour per day available to work on it even while i'm on vacation and with that i just again make sure i wake up early in the morning get everything done that i need to get done and then have the rest of the day i just don't do any like content creation like i'll make sure that that's all good to go stories are all made captions are all written like emails are all scheduled like anything that can be automated is automated and then i just make sure that i'm in a place where i don't have to do content creation until i get back from that trip sick time obviously there have been i honestly like i guess now that i'm thinking about it i really haven't been sick over the last two or three years i've really never had to take like sick time there have definitely been times like for example i was moving back in december and it got super super crazy for a minute and i did fall behind with one of my clients and there were a couple different ways that we you know approached it one of them was I offered to do the post, like we had missed a post that week or something. So I was like, hey, I'll add in an extra post for next week so that it was still, you know, they were getting the same amount of posts. They were just being posted on different weeks. So when it comes to that, I'll just make up for it in other places or, you know, again, offer to do a couple extra stories, like somewhere to make up for it. So they're always getting what they pay for, of course, but I've never really been sick to the point where I can't do my daily tasks which are usually as of right now the things that I have to do every day are post manually for clients like select clients that I post manually for do their stories do their engagement and then some influencer marketing for one of my clients I check in on that email every day so there's some things that like again I can do them once in the day and then not really have to do them again so even in times where I have been like sick or not felt good like I'm still able to just like log in and do that stuff quick if that's not again I I'm in full transparency here if I had like a full I don't even want to say full time if I had a virtual assistant like if I had somebody working with me that would be a time where I'd be like hey I'll pay you extra like I need you to take on these tasks for these days and that was something somebody had asked me this question a couple months ago they were going on vacation and she was like I just don't know what to do about like the things I do every day and I was like well you could look into bringing somebody on per diem where you pay them x amount per day to do all these tasks bring a virtual assistant on for a short short-term contract for the month and just you know spend the first few weeks teaching her exactly everything you'll need her to do and then for that last week of the month take your vacation unplugged knowing that everything's getting done again I I know that's an option that's a solution of course it's just not something that I have ever done or wanted because I'm just more comfortable doing it myself again personal issues personal preference not saying it's healthy not saying it's what you should do it's just what I do the other part of that is I I have in the past 
offered my clients to refund them a week or however many days. So like if if work has ever been missed, I always offer to send back the time that wasn't used. That really hasn't ever had to happen more. I think I've done that like twice. But again, I in full transparency have never taken a completely unplugged vacation. So I've never been completely away from my clients. I do let them know ahead of time. I'm just like, hey, like these days to these days, like I won't be able to do anything last minute. Um, Like if you need any changes, like I have to know about them by this day, which all my clients are really good about anyway. So it's not something huge that I have to worry about, but I do just like to give them the option. And then I also, I don't like my clients finding out that I'm going places on my Instagram story. Like when I had to go to Miami a couple weeks ago, like I let all of my clients know, like, hey, I might be like posting on my Instagram story, but it's not like I'm just like kicking it in Miami, like on vacation, like it's a work trip, like I'm actively there to work. And they all know like if they need anything, they can ask me, of course. And especially like with work trips, you know, like the one I'll be going on next month, like I'm still actively working. I actually, what I like to do, so the the content trip that I'm going on next month is actually for two different clients that are both in the same location. It's a long story, but because I would be, so because I'm going to both, it's a total of three days. So again, I have to factor in that I'm missing three eight-hour work days. So what I like to do is leave a day in between. I'm not dedicated to either client. So like I'm going to the first client for one day, that Friday, and then Saturday, I'll be at the hotel just doing my own thing, doing my own work, getting caught back up. And then that Sunday and Monday, I'll be with the other client. So I also factor in like work days to these work trips, but I know that's kind of off topic from what the actual question was, but there's a lot of ways to go about it. It's just about what works best for you. Okay, so next question, favorite part of the work that I do for my clients? Okay, so my actual favorite part of like the hands-on work that I do. I mean, there's so many things that I do that I love, but one of my favorite things is just being able to like keep looking back. Like I love looking at the progression. I love seeing how our reels have changed, how our style has changed, how our aesthetic is kind of morphing to be more of what they see. So definitely the actual content creation, like that's that's definitely my favorite part. I do enjoy like writing captions and I do enjoy, you know, making emails and push notifications and stuff, but the actual content creation is definitely my favorite part. Or the influencer marketing. I do love the influencer marketing and the community management parts of things that I do for my clients. Just helping them be that voice and kind of bridge their audience to having access to them or to at least have a brand that speaks back. That's definitely one of my favorite parts. Okay, so favorite apps that I use. So I'm going to answer this in two different ways. So apps like on my phone, one that I use every single day is InShot. I love InShot. It's my favorite video editor. I like CapCut too, but I guess I'm just more familiar with the like buttons and controls of InShot. So that's why I prefer it. Tezza and Visco are two of my favorite, like Lightroom. I will always love Lightroom and Lightroom will obviously always be superior to everything because of the advance technology, I guess to word it, but just like on the go, quick photo and video filters and like editing, definitely Visco and Tessa. Visco of all things, like honestly, when Visco first became a thing, I had no idea that it was trying to be that photo editing feature as well. I thought it was just another platform for sharing pictures on. And Visco actually has some really, really good editing. And then even just like 
Milano, like, of course, this is why, okay, so this is why I want to answer it in two different ways because a lot of these things are technically apps, but I prefer the desktop version of them. So, like, Canva, like, Canva is technically an app, but I just prefer to use it on my computer. Planoly is my planning tool of choice, which I'm recording this on Wednesday, May 18th, and Planoly has been having issues all day and it has prevented me from doing so much work today and it's so incredibly frustrating, but I do love Planoly. This isn't a normal issue, so I'm willing to look past it for now, but it's been so frustrating. I just refreshed to see if it's fixed and it is. Oh my gosh, yay. So now I can finally do the work I've been putting off all day. Actually, it's not even that I was putting it off. I just literally couldn't do it. Again, Milano, it's, it, there's an app and there's also a desktop version to do it again app and desktop version so these are all like apps that I use all of the time I just prefer to use them on the desktop this question how do you stay motivated working from home okay so you have to be very very I don't even know if disciplined is the word that I want to use and I also don't want to use the word routine because it's not like I do the same thing every single day at the same exact time like I I live by my rocket book, my rocket book and my rocket book planner. Like everything that I have to do is written in there, but I also use Todoist and I use them like kind of in different ways. And this ties into my calendar. So I also time block. So between time blocking and keeping a running to-do list. So like each of my clients get a time block on my schedule. And then when that time block comes, I open my to-do list for that client and I know every single thing that I have to do. So not even that that keeps me motivated but having that organization makes it really easy to stay on track which I think is more important than staying motivated but as far as like motivation in the way okay I'll be honest again full transparency I'm motivated with rewards so like when I redid my home office like that was enough motivation for me to want to work in here every day investing in the dual monitor made it so that the only place that I now am comfortable to work from is my desk in my office. Now that's not to say that I can't like take my laptop downstairs and work on the couch if I want to or like outside on the patio, but having like, it sucks. Cause like, I don't want to say it where it's like having nice stuff makes me motivated to work. But it, when you want to get into a routine of going back to the gym, go buy a new set of leggings from Lululemon and I guarantee you will be motivated to work out. Actually, I don't even want to say I guarantee that. That's just how I work. So like, again, not even rewarding myself when I get things done, but investing in things that keep me motivated to want to work. Like when I got this microphone, for example, and it has like the stand that attaches to my desk where the one that I was using before was like, you could like put it wherever you wanted. So like, I don't know if you know this, when you use a microphone that's mounted like up off of the table, it doesn't pick up on the vibrations of things moving on the table. Whereas the microphone that I was using before went right on the desk and it would pick up every single little noise from every single little movement and it was so annoying that it made me not want to record with it so when I finally invested into this microphone and I enjoy the way that it sounds it made it a little bit more motivating but also again just like knowing you know I think the most important part of staying motivated is knowing why you are doing what you're doing and having a dedicated area to do it in that keeps me motivated I don't know I don't know if that's good advice I don't know if that's bad advice but that's 
how I stay motivated is by giving myself an area that I enjoy working in and then also knowing exactly what work I need to do. And Okay, so these landscaping people just started doing lawn care outside, so if you can hear it, I'm so sorry, but I think I'm going to make this the last question just because it's super loud and I hope it's not being picked up on here. Okay, so this question says, what red flag should I look out for with social media management clients? And oh my god, I love this question. I don't really think I've ever been asked this question. So for me, I on a discovery call can pretty easily tell if I would enjoy working with that person or not. There's really only ever been one situation that I've been in where I get like to working with the I'm like, oh, this is not going to work. Like, I'm usually a pretty good judge of character. It's usually pretty easy to tell, you know, if we're going to mesh together. I'm a big believer that your energy will go to where, you know, it's being attracted to. So all of the clients that I work with right now, it was just about an energy match. Like it was about, you know, getting to know them and their business and their brand and being passionate about it and feeling like I could relay their message as they want it relayed. So what are red flags to look for? As I tell you all the green flags. So let's talk about red flags. So one of the biggest red flags is when somebody doesn't either acknowledge, respect, or understand the amount of time that things like this take. Like even just the onboarding process when I'm bringing a new client on, I let them know that our initial few weeks together are just going to be a lot of back and forth. So like none of my clients come on under the impression that like the first week that they pay me, they're going to have a social media post go up. And it's a huge red flag if somebody is like, okay, so when can our first post go up? And like, obviously if they're just asking to ask, that's one thing. But when they're asking in the way that they're expecting it, like really soon, that to me is a huge red flag. So I try not to try not to work with anybody who's expecting anything on a super tight deadline. And I also just try to avoid the situation by being really upfront with them again about how long the onboarding process will take. And I usually try to overestimate, like if I know that I'll be able to have content up and running for them within two weeks, sometimes I'll just say three weeks so that I give myself like that pad to, you know, if there's any changes or if we have to make any updates to anything, like any, you know, revisions or anything just make sure you give yourself enough time so i think a huge red flag again is when they have an unrealistic expectation for when your work together will start to come to light um, especially with like results and stuff another huge red flag is so this is an unspoken rule that i have and it's not something that i say like to potential clients i mean i've said it on social media so like they can very easily see it but a huge red flag to me is when somebody goes into you know either a discovery call or just working together in general with a number in mind like i don't like going into it where they're like oh my gosh can you hear the like weed whacker it's so loud but like i don't like going into a situation where they're like i want to gain ten thousand followers by working together like that to me is a huge red flag i will not work with anybody who even remotely mentions a certain follower number that they want to attain by working together like a question on my questionnaire is like what are some goals that you want to achieve and like if they just say grow my following that's one thing but because so here's why when somebody has a set number in their head like if they're like oh nobody will take us seriously until we're at 10k says who and where did you get that information from usually that person heard that like from some growth guru or whatever like five years ago and it's just not relevant anymore and that to me is kind of a red flag that they're stuck like 
you know, stuck or fixated on getting this follower number that is kind of unrealistic, especially like that we're like given the circumstance that we're just starting out together. So I just won't go into working with anybody who mentions any sort of follower number. That's a huge red flag. Another huge red flag is when they don't take your onboarding process seriously or like your inquiry form, I guess. It wouldn't really be your onboarding process yet because you wouldn't have signed them on yet. But like if somebody, like if you have a whole, you know, part of your website that's like, if you want to work together, please fill out this form below. And if they're, skipping past that and like just dming you and being like when can we get on a discovery call like if they're not taking your process seriously from the beginning they're not going to take the process of working with you seriously so especially if they half ass the inquiry form so like i have something that people have to fill out before they can book a discovery call because i need to make sure that we're you know at least going to be a, a start of a good match for each other and then obviously that discovery call will determine if we are a good match but like if they can't even take the time to fill out these questions like get to know each other a little bit that to me is a huge red flag because then they're not going to take the rest of the process of working together seriously another huge red flag and i try to avoid this so okay so a huge red flag is when somebody tries to downplay your cost or your package or whatever and i think there's a lot of ways to go about this i don't always think it's a bad thing but obviously not everybody is going to be in a place to invest in the package that you originally present to them and this is why i don't give anybody a number until after we've had the discovery call because i like to really get an idea for everything that needs to be included before i send over a proposal for exactly how much our package together is going to cost so if somebody comes back to me and they're like hey i can't afford this investment but this is what I can cap off at. So like, let's say I send them a, a proposal for $1,000 for whatever package we're putting together for them. But they're like, hey, I can't afford that. My budget is $800. Instead of being like, okay, I'll just give them this $1,000 package for $800 because it's close enough. Instead, rework that package. Like say you proposed four posts a week to them, like bring it down to three and be like, okay, unfortunately I won't be able to do this package for that budget, but for your budget, I can provide this. So I don't always think it's a bad thing when they're trying to negotiate because it might just be like, they're really connected to you. They might be in the beginning stages of their business and not have the biggest budget to spend, um, but they still want to work with. And even in that case, I think there's a lot of opportunity to grow with somebody or with their business, but just like flat out, if somebody's like, like, hey, can we take out these two Instagram stories and replace them with one feed post? And can we drop it down to this if, you know, I do the engagement on this day? Like, just don't, just don't even get yourself involved with somebody who's like already trying to negotiate or bring down or like play down your value right from the beginning. But again, you just have to know what to look for. I don't think it's every single time it's a red flag when they try to like negotiate. Okay, what was that? Five questions? Four questions? I think that's good. These lawn mowers are really loud, so I feel like it's time to end. Anyway, watch. You like probably can't even hear them in this recording, but anyway, okay. I think that's going to be it for this week. Seriously, thank you. Like I said, if you have any questions about these travel shoots, I know, again, it's just the tip of the iceberg. Always here to answer any questions. If it's something that you're thinking about adding, we can always book a one-on-one -on -one strategy session where we can, you know, hash out everything that you need to be offering and I can give you more of that inside look on what my travel shoots consist of. And that's all at my website, pagemediaco.com. Again, my name's Lex, if we're not already. Find me on Instagram. You can also find me on TikTok at pagemediaco and I will talk to you next week. Bye. 
Hey, it's me again, your host, Lex. I would love if you came over to Instagram and hung out with us at the Social Media Survival Guide. You can also find my personal slash business account at Page Media Coach. Make sure we're staying connected in your favorite places. If you or anybody that you know is interested in being a guest on here, please DM me. Again, the quickest way to reach me is going to be at Page Media Co. But make sure you follow at the Social Media Survival Guide just to stay up to date with everything that's going on on the podcast. Thank you so much for your time and for being here. And I will see you in the next episode. Bye.